Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over uh, to Luke chapter 12. And uh, we've been on this journey uh, through Scripture. And as Brother Jeffrey said, uh, today is what is considered Palm Sunday, uh, the, the, the beginning of the Passion Week. And uh, again, our emphasis this month has been on the resurrection. Uh, if you're a guest here and you don't know what we're doing, uh, essentially we're saying uh, it's a big deal that Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, it should be celebrated. We should emphasize it all year long. But specifically, uh, we've taken this month leading up to Passover because we know scripturally uh, that's when Jesus uh, was crucified and when he rose again because uh, he had that last meal with his, his, uh, his apostles or his disciples. And so again, we're celebrating the fact that our God lives, that we have a living God, that he's not, uh, there's not some shrine that he is contained in or his ashes or anything. He's a living God and he has a relationship with those of us who've put our faith in him. So that's a big deal. That's a real big deal. And so, uh, again, that's worthy to be celebrating. Um, but we're taking this journey through Scripture, and I think it's so important for us to understand, uh, verse by, by verse, to answer this question that we looked at already, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Again, he had asked who other people thought he was, and then he turns around and asks those who were following, who do you say that I am? Because that's a very important question. Um, and, of course, Peter answers, you're the, the, the Christ. Son of the living God. You're the only way to God, basically. And, um, and so, very important question for every single person in this room, every single person on this earth to answer. So, in order to answer that, or if, if we already have a relationship with Him, and we already have made Him our Lord and our Savior, uh, then hopefully this journey is to a closer relationship, a closer walk uh, with the Lord. Because, you know, uh, the more you hear about somebody, the more that you walk with somebody, the more that you talk with somebody, the better you get to know them. And so we've taken this journey and walking with Jesus and seeing the different uh, situations he's been faced with. And hopefully you've become a little more acquainted. If you say, you know what, I've already read through the gospel several times and I know the stories that we're going through, then uh, it should be like a love letter. You know, I've shared this many times before, um, but you know, when Rochelle and I were dating, uh, by the way, it was her birthday yesterday, my lovely bride, beautiful, lovely bride, yes. Um, I, just, I wanted to embarrass her a little bit this morning. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> no, we, uh, we used to write letters to each other, right? When, uh, when I was off at college and, and even when I got back in town, we could call, we could talk, we could see each other. We still would write letters and, um, we saved a bunch of those letters. And at one point in time, a few years back, we started to look through some of them and she's crying and, um, I wasn't crying, <laughs> but, um, we, um, you know, just kind of look back through and kind of rekindle that, uh, that thought, that love. And so, again, when we read back through God's Word and we read about our Savior, this one that we have a relationship with, and we hear about what He's done for people and what he, the, the miracles that He performed and, and the truths that He brought, for us who have put our faith in Him, who have a relationship with Him, it should draw us closer to Him. And so hopefully along this journey, that's what's going on. But as I said a while ago, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you haven't uh, had a, a time where you said, you know what, I'm no longer mine, I, I want to trust Jesus and give him my life, then hopefully this morning you can answer that question and you can enter into that relationship with him. But in our study along this journey, um, it's brought us to this place where Jesus is now 
found a common enemy with both the Pharisees and the lawyers. Uh, he's called them out. He, he pronounced woes upon them, uh, which is a very strong rebuke, a, a condemnation, if you will. Uh, and this was a big deal because these were both the, the, the religious and the legal leaders of the day. Um, think about that. Think about if, if, if you were here walking on this earth and every single pastor, every single church, every single denomination, every sin, just picture this in your mind, every single religious person figure was against you. Not only that, you had all of the law against you. You had all the lawyers looking down at you and wanted you to go away. Now, that would be a big deal. Now, our, our world and our society seems a lot bigger than in this day, and of course it was. They were primarily in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and Samaria as well, uh, that Jesus was facing this. But it concentrated there in Jerusalem, so it was everything to them. This was, he, he was, he was uh, on the chopping block, if you will. And so they were collectively trying to find out how they could trap him, what they could put, what situation they could get him in, what they could get him to say, uh, so they could ultimately shut him up and put him away, ultimately stop him. Um, again, but th I think an important question to ask is this, why were they trying to stop him? Well, if Jesus came to this earth and all, all along the way he was healing sick people and, and, and speaking things that were right and true, and, and if he was doing all these good things and he was sinless in all this, then why were these religious people and these legal people wanting to do away with him? The answer to that is this. He came to this earth and he blew up their entire religious system that they had created to benefit themselves and to keep the common man basically oppressed. Now this was a system initially that God gave to the Jews through the prophets and they took it and they made it what they wanted it to be. And again, we, we saw last week uh, that that's nothing new for Israel. Matter of fact, when the kingdom divided, we know that Jeroboam went to the north and he created a completely false system of worship. And so again, this is something that Israel has been used to, but now God is in the flesh, Jesus. And he's blowing their system up. He's, he's telling them where they're wrong, and he's not afraid to do it. But again, what was delivered to the, the, the Jews? I think we have to ask that question that was so messed up. Well, again, this, this system, if you will, was more not, not a system. It was about a relationship. God delivered through the prophets uh, a very personal relationship. And yes, it had external components. The, the, the temple worship, uh, the priest. The sacrifices, the ceremonies, all of those things were external components. But all of those external components pointed to this internal relationship that God wanted with every single one of his people and with every, every person, period, in mankind. So again, they had made it all about themselves, all about the external to benefit themselves. And that was through pride. That was through selfishness. Uh, that was through greed and many other things. So these leaders had perverted this relationship uh, and again, only to benefit them. And last week, we learned that they're spoiling, the, the, the Pharisees, their spoiling agent was hypocrisy. Here's how they were doing things. They were pretending to be people that they weren't. They were putting on masks and pretending to be righteous and religious in front of other, other people. But inside, Jesus would eventually tell them they were full of dead men's bones. And he warned all of his followers of the danger of the Pharisees. And so you and I, even 2,000 years later, learn a very important lesson in that warning that Jesus gave to, gave to his followers. Very important truth as, as we are to be walking in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It was this, we have to guard against hypocrisy and we've got to live in sincerity. And I challenged all of us, felt like God challenged me and so I brought it here and said, you know what? We've got to make sure that we are who we say we are. 
If we say that we're following Jesus Christ by calling ourselves a Christian, then let's make sure that we're a Christian everywhere we go. Make sure that we're a Christian at home, where our kids and our spouses see. Make sure that we're, we're a Christian in the store. And, you know, I shared last week on, on the roads when nobody's turning their blinker on in front of you, slamming on their brakes, being a Christian. Following Jesus Christ. Not only that, with the looming threats, persecution that would come, not only to Jesus Christ, but also his followers, he warned them against operating in fear and to operate in faith, which again is how our relationship with God is formed. So point number two last week was we've got to guard against fear. We've got to live in faith. So our comfort as the people of God and our encouragement that helps guard against that fear, that helps guard against the things that would keep us from being the people of God comes from that faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus asked, uh, and then he answered uh, some things in, 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 the, in verse 4 and 5. In verse 4 and 5, he says, you know what? Don't be afraid of the person that can destroy your body. But fear the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell. Verse 6 and 7, he goes on and he says this. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthing, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. So we are to live in faith and not in fear because we are the Lord's. God cares about everything that goes on in our life. And so I want to encourage you again this week before we move on to the, the points uh, uh, that we have this morning. You may be going through something great in your life. You may be going through something catastrophic, something very challenging, something very difficult. It may be internal, it may be external, it may be relational, it may be financial. It may be all kinds of different things. But know this, God loves you. He, he does. And that's not just words, that's real. That, that, that's real. God so loved you that he sent a son. But, but know this, he knows what's going on in your life. Jesus said, look, a sparrow can't fall to the ground without God knowing about it. He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. Years ago, I preached a message about that, and, and some people say, well, it wouldn't be too hard for God to count my hairs, you know. But some, some, it's not about that. The average number of hairs on someone's head, I think it's somewhere around 100,000. God knows every, every, every person's head and the number of hair. He knows what's going on inside your body and outside in your life. And so this morning... As we move forward and we learn about faith and learn about faith in Christ alone, uh, I pray that we're strengthened and encouraged even more. So let's pray and we'll look at it. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you so much for allowing us uh, to gather here. And thank you for what we've experienced so far. The blessing of, of hearing those, those sweet kids sing praises to you. And um, Lord, I'm, just, I'm so thankful for them. So thankful for those that lead and, and spend their time in investing. Um, and, and again, I just thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the times that uh, we've had to, to sing and, and to give and uh, just to worship you and to spend time together, Lord, as a family. And uh, God, as we continue on in this, as we look to you and your word, we ask that you speak to us and that this message would uh, resound in every single one of our hearts, God, that we'd be ready to receive it. And we'd be ready not only to receive it, but to act on it if necessary. And Lord, if there's someone here that's lost, they've never put their faith in Jesus Christ. They've never put their trust, their hope, their, all their confidence in you. And I pray they'd do that before they leave today. They'd realize that it's eternally important not to pass this opportunity up. So God, we ask you to move. We ask you to spirit, your spirit to have free reign. And to use, just use me as a simple vessel, Lord, so that you get all the glory from all of it, God. We ask 
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles there in Luke chapter 12, we're going to pick up in verse 8. And Jesus continues, he says, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Now, the, the point of this proclamation is that people had to make a choice concerning Jesus Christ. And again, he's telling his followers this. And so he's letting them know every person has got to make a decision, a choice concerning Jesus Christ, who he is. Either he's God, he's the Messiah that was sent from God, the anointed one from God, the only way, the only Savior of mankind, or he isn't. Period. That's the decision. A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people, don't, they don't like to be pinned down with either Jesus is God, he's the only way, or he's not. And some people say, well, I don't like that. I mean, I, 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 I think that he might be a good man. I think that he might be, he did really good things. Again, people don't want that. And a lot of people want a gray area. They want a fence to straddle. Well, I, I, I kind of believe that. I believe that in my mind, but I, I'm not surrendered that in my life. And again, it's very clear in Scripture. There is no gray area. There is no fence to straddle. You either trust him or you don't. And some may question, well, so he just said that you just have to confess Jesus before men. So you just have to say Jesus or confess that he's Lord before men. Yes, that's true. That's what Jesus said. But to understand what Jesus is saying, you have to dig a little deeper. Because there's a whole lot more than just simply saying Jesus with your lips and uh, being saved. And we know that. Again, uh, there's a lot more in that. Our English version uh, doesn't give us all that explanation in these verses, but it's there. To do what Jesus was telling to do meant that they had to not only acknowledge, but they had to accept Jesus as that only path to salvation. He is the only source, the only way to salvation. And this acceptance and this acknowledgement contained a denying of self and anything else or anyone else. And so this confession was a complete abandonment of anything and anyone of everything to confess, to accept, to acknowledge Jesus Christ. And today, this is still the truth. So Jesus was telling his followers, if someone professes me or confesses me before men, that's good. If they deny me, that's bad, essentially. See, the religion of the Pharisees here in Jesus' day was about what man could do, what, what, what performance he could do. What, what could you do uh, to be right with God, to, to, to go to heaven, to have eternal life. What could you do? Again, it was works-based. They had formed that. They had designed that. And again, it pleased themselves. And what Jesus was bringing was what only God could do for man for salvation. So again, you look back at the two, two options today and say, well, we go to church and we believe in Jesus for the most part, but there's, there is a boatload of people that go to church regularly that still attach works to salvation. I've had conversations with many people that have come through this church and that, that they've even talked about baptism and they attach baptism to salvation as far as completing their salvation. A lot of people believe there's certain things that you have to do to be saved still, even if they've heard the gospel. And so that, that, that sentiment still rings true today. And scripture tells us, again, the only way to be saved. The only way of salvation has nothing to do with us. 
has nothing to do with what we can do ourselves. Now, there's a choice that we make in this. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, again, what Jesus was saying. But there's nothing that we can do ourselves to save us. Again, Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is unmerited favor. It's something that we don't deserve. God gives it to us even though we've done nothing to earn it. So he says, for by grace, it's through God's goodness shown to us, even though we don't deserve it, and it's through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. You don't earn a gift, you receive a gift. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he came to this earth. But it goes on in verse 9, it says, not of works, there's nothing you can do, lest any man should boast, because if there was things you could do, you would stand there before other people and before God one day possibly and say, I did all these things to get to heaven. I deserve more than that person over there because I did so much more for the Lord. But it goes on and says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Again, it's all about God. It's all about God's work in our life. It's all about his purpose for our life. That's what it's about. So while confessing Jesus before men is essential, it's what that means that helps us understand. Uh, Romans chapter 10 also helps this. It says this in verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Now again, you just read through that and say, I, I can confess the Lord Jesus. I can be saved. No problem. Lord Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says this. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name done many wonderful works? We've cast out demons. We've done all these things. We, 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 we. And they were calling him Lord. So again, it's not just about saying those words, Lord Jesus. It's what's wrapped up in that. What does Lord mean? You can say it emptily. You can, you can say it in an empty way. You can say, Lord, and it means nothing. But when you confess him as Lord, that means you have no right or control over your life anymore. That means he is your Lord. He's your master. He directs and you follow. That's what Lord means. And again, if we look at the landscape of Christianity today, it, 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 it looks less like Jesus is Lord. It looks like people are still trying to be the Lord of their life. And it may not be in here. It may not be you. But the overwhelming landscape of people who profess Christ, uh, Christ or professing Christians make more of their decisions based off of what they want versus what he wants. We consider what our life looks like, what we've got on our schedules, what we've got on our calendars, what we even want to do with our, with our life. We consider all those things instead of saying, I've confessed him as Lord. He is my Lord, Lord Jesus. Instead of saying, okay, so if he is my Lord, truly my Lord, confessed as my Lord, surrendered to him as my Lord, then my life is always, every single day, exactly what the Apostle Paul cried out on the road to Damascus when he gave his life to Jesus. And this is what he said. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's lordship salvation. That is when someone says, I've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because you can't confess him as Savior without confessing him as Lord. That's not salvation. They're together. And so he says... If you confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, again, that means you're gone, he's on the throne, he's the Lord, he calls the shots, and you follow. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of feelings, regardless of anything, he calls it, and you and I obey. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart 
that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The promise of God is if you'll confess him as Lord, that means that something's already happened in your heart, which he said, believe in your heart, which you have to understand what believe is. Believe is not like I believe that the, fairy to, uh, the tooth fairy is going to come and put a, uh, a quarter under, under the pillow. No, it's not some fantasy fairy tale thing. It is an absolute surrender convincing. It's a controlling of your life. It's absolute. That's the type of belief it is. So when you have the type of belief for salvation, it means you have no weight in any other person or any other thing for salvation in Christ alone. But he goes on and says, For where the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Because the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed or be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is, uh, over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And then listen to this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So again, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's, a, it's a confessing with the mouth, absolutely. Just as Jesus said, the scripture tells us that, but it's what is contained in those words. Let me put it like this. In our day and time, our word is not our bond, right? Uh, we, we could go around the room and we could probably share testimony after testimony after testimony, whether it's people that you worked with, sadly, maybe even people in your own family, maybe even more sadly, even other Christians who have said, yes, I'm going to do this, or no, I'm not going to do this, or have said something, made, a, made an agreement. There's an agreement with words and haven't kept it. Because today, unfortunately, our word is not our bond. Maybe years and years ago in America it was. But I'll say this, in Bible days, in the times that Jesus was speaking and walking this earth, it was contractual. The word spoken by someone, an agreement, was contractual when it was said. That was the reality. So this confessing, this professing, as, as these, uh, these authors are writing it down, as, as the Holy Spirit breathes this to them, they have an understanding that as someone is confessing with their mouth, professing Jesus as the Christ, as the anointed one sent from God, as the only way of salvation, as their only hope in salvation, that confession, that profession was a manifestation of their heart that it was in him and him alone that their confidence was in. It's stating, I believe Jesus is it. I believe Jesus is the only way. I believe he is God. Not only is he God, but he is now my God. The only one. There's none beside him. There's none above him. And he has my life. Period. So it's not just a simple pouring out of words. It was a profound revelation of the heart when someone said, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. That was a revelation of the heart. And again, today, you can talk to many people and say, hey, is Jesus your Lord? Absolutely. But he's not calling the shots in their life. And again, I think that we can examine our lives many times and, and somebody asks us, hey, is Jesus your Lord? And we say, yeah. But does our life look like he's really calling the shots? When it comes down to the rubber meeting the road every day, is Jesus calling the shots? So again, this confession of the heart of Jesus as Savior and Lord assures you, as the scripture just said, of a positive end. Thou shalt be saved. And so if that's the, that's the truth, then the opposite is truth. A denying of Jesus Christ, a refusing of letting him be the Lord, the director of your life, the master of your life, the God in your life, a refusal, a denial of that yields the, the opposite. 
So if someone doesn't put their faith in Jesus Christ, many of us know what that means. That person, because they were not willing to deny themselves, they are going to die themselves for all of eternity. And it's sad. Jesus goes on to explain something very profound. And some people ask, well, what's the unpardonable sin? Many people think, well, I think it's suicide. And somebody takes their life because that's a perversion of, of, of things as well. Uh, it's not. That's, not. that's not the unpardonable uh, sin. Uh, so other, other people have different beliefs on what it is. But I want you to look at what Jesus explains here in the next verse of verse 10 about the importance of not rejecting the truth and specifically the truth that comes to the Holy Spirit and specifically rejecting the Holy Spirit's work in a person's life. In verse 10 he says, And whosoever shall speak against a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, look in these next few words, it shall not be forgiven. You can speak against the Son of Man, you can speak against Jesus, but you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Well, that's an interesting thought because in our minds we're thinking, well, that's not right either. How, how, how is it okay to, to speak a, a word against Jesus? Well, this is the amazing thing about God. Jesus Christ was sent here to suffer. And part of that suffering was to be mocked and ridiculed and beaten for us. And so that was his lot. And remember in the garden before he died, what he said? If this cup pass from me, if it's possible that this cup can pass from me, let it be. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was sent here to suffer. Isaiah 53 tells us that, that he, he, he bore all of our afflictions. This is what God assigned to Jesus Christ, to be cursed for all sin. That's amazing. However, he goes on and says the Holy Spirit is and was the person walking about and working about in the, in the hearts of man, mankind. To do what? To do the convicting and also, and also to do the regeneration in the hearts of man. When people put faith in Jesus Christ, it's the Holy Spirit that does that cleansing work, that does all that work. So when a person denies the Holy Spirit, they reject the Holy Spirit in their life. This is an unforgivable offense, according to Scripture. To reject or to blaspheme the person who does, who, who's the only person who does the, the convincing, the convicting, and the changing in a person's life is an unpardonable sin. You say, how is that unpardonable? Because here's the truth. There's danger in rejecting the Holy Spirit's work in your life. If you're here this morning, you say, I, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've heard the gospel before, but I've never surrendered. And I've never done what you've talked about. I've never made him the Lord of my life. I said a prayer when I was younger. I, I've tried to be a good person, but I, every day of my life, I don't, I don't look to him as my Lord. Like what he wants me to do, I don't do that every day. If you've not made him the Lord of your life, when you said, I accept him as my Savior, then you are not saved according to Scripture. That's not popular, and that's not something from me. That is Scripture. He has to be both Savior and Lord together. Period. But when someone says, you know what? I, I don't want any of that. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be saved. I don't want to give my life to the Lord. I, I, I don't want to do those things. When someone does that, there's a danger. Because here's the danger. You never know the next time that the Holy Spirit's going to come calling. You never know when the Holy Spirit's going to come back and knock again on your heart's door and say, hey, God loves you. 
and he wants to live in you. Your time, my time might be right around the corner that we leave this world. And a rejection of the Holy Spirit in our life, right before that, is a sealing of an eternal fate. And that, that's gut-wrenching. Your time to leave this world might be today. My time might be today. But God is calling. God is calling every single day for those who haven't trusted, who haven't surrendered their life. And it's seen in, in, in Revelation chapter 3, his letter to the churches. There at the end, he says this in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And he says to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me on my throne, in my throne, even as I, I also overcame and am sent down, uh, set down with, the right, with my father uh, 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 in his throne. Sorry, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. So if you're not 100% sure that your heart has been given to the one, the only one, in Christ alone, if you haven't confessed Christ as Savior and Lord alone, if you haven't done that, then you have to consider what this means for your eternity. Separation from God. Tormented in a place that's reserved for Satan and his followers alone. This is an eternally big deal. But for those of us who have, you say, you hear this one say, I've done that. I know without a shadow of a doubt, I've, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I confessed him as my Lord. He is the God of my life. Now, I don't always hit the nail on the head all the time. I don't always get up every day and, and look to him. I, I, I fall short. Amen. That's, that's most of us. But that bothers you, and it bothers me when we realize that's what we've done. And if it doesn't bother you, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If you can push aside the master and the Lord who gave his life for you, his desires, his will, his plan, if you can set it aside just to accomplish something temporal or something uh, seasonal for you, and you're okay with that, something's wrong. So for those of us who have confessed Christ as our Lord, we have to, we have to ensure that the world knows this. Not only about ourselves, but again, the good news that brought us to that point. So point number one is this this morning. Confessing Christ is essential for salvation and testimony. We know that. But guess what? If you know that already, it's essential for testimony. We've got to share that. If you know that Christ is the only way, imagine how many people in the world, again, if they're coming to churches like ours, and maybe somebody here this morning is thinking, I think I can be good enough to go to heaven. Listen, the world has got to know you can't. There's only one way. That testimony's got to resound from us. We've got to make sure that confessing Christ is known by the lost world. Many people, again, think that just going to church, being a good person, doing the right things, being religious, giving to the church, serving, can get you in heaven, but clearly it's impossible. You must confess Christ. But look in verse 11, and we'll move on. It says this, And when they bring you into the synagogues and under the magistrates and powers, take no thought how or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour, what you ought to say. We know that in our world today, there's, um, there's persecution going on. Uh, not so much here in America. Uh, praise the Lord. We, we've, been, we've been so blessed that we don't have to worry about um, where we're going to live, where we're going to stay, where we're going to eat, if we're going to live another day, if somebody's going to come into our house and raid our house, we don't have to worry about that. But we have brothers and sisters as Christians around this world that are living in that every single day. 
If you, you, can, you can get on uh, voiceofthemartyrs.com and you can read story after story about our brothers and sisters around the world who are being martyred for their faith, who are being persecuted, who are being tormented. And they don't care what age or gender you are. They just want Christianity destroyed. Jesus knew this was coming. He told his, his followers, look, this is going to happen. When this happens to you. You say, so why, why would it be necessary for us to do that in here? Uh, you guys, have, many of you have heard me preach before, and even years ago I preached on the end time. And I've said this before, and it's not to make anybody afraid. Again, that's what Jesus told us. There's no reason to fear, but we need to be prepared. But I said this years ago. I said, I, I feel like the bubble is about to burst for America. And, and maybe we've got a little more time now. I, I don't know. But I think that we're going to be extremely shocked if that persecution starts to come in waves. And here we are as the people, more prone to live our lives for us than we are set on living for the kingdom of God. And when that persecution comes and we say, man, um, I, I wasn't expecting it to happen like this in America. I wasn't expecting it to happen like this so fast. Who's going to be prepared? It's those, it's those who are living their faith out. Those who are living as Jesus is Lord. Those who are prepared. And again, Jesus gives this warning to his people, his followers. He says, listen, when this happens to you, don't be afraid. Don't, don't be worried. Don't, don't think, well, uh, we're going to have to say the right things. Or we're going to lose our lives. Again, this was imminent. It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of when. When this happens to you. See, we don't fit as Christians in this world system. We, we don't fit in the spirit of this world. Why? why? Why do Christians not fit in this system of this world? Why do we not fit with the spirit that's running around this world? Because it's ran by the spirit of the enemy of God. The enemy of God. He's on the opposite side. We're living in a land who, that's being controlled by the enemy. The Bible says he's the prince and the power of the air. God has allowed this. This is part of God's plan. And again, in his infinite wisdom, this is part of it. And the enemy of Christ's methods for accomplishing his plans haven't changed. They're still to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what Satan's plans are. So when those of us say yes to Jesus Christ, we confess him as Lord and Savior, and we become a child of God, we then cross over. We cross over from the enemy's side over to God's side. We move from Satan's side to the Lord's side, and the battle is on. I said, wow, I, I, I don't want that, though. Look, that's the reality of the world that we live. That's the reality of the spiritual battle we're facing. But there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be worried about that. And some, some men here say, you know what, that, that's just scary to talk about. You're talking about persecution. You're talking about being on the enemy's, uh, the opposite side of the enemy. And that's, that's, that's kind of scary to hear. Listen, that, that comes from love. That comes from a preparation. We have to be prepared with what the enemy is going to do. And again, Jesus said, don't, don't fear him who has no power over your soul. So with this reality, we as the followers of Christ have comfort. He tells his disciples, don't be anxious when you're brought into persecution. Don't worry about it. Don't fear when they bring you before the courts, when they take you to, to, uh, into legal uh, battles, when they threaten your life. Don't be afraid on what you should say. I'll provide it through the Holy Spirit. Number two this morning is this. Confrontation is imminent 
for the saved and testifying. Confrontation, persecution, opposition, it's imminent for those of us who are saved and those of us who are living our lives for the Lord, testifying. Those of us who are sharing the gospel, living our faith out the way that Jesus called us, there is going to be confrontation. There is going to be opposition. There is going to be persecution. Jesus would eventually tell his disciples in John chapter 15, look what he says. If the world hate you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the, lo the world would love his own. But look what the words he says to his followers. But, you, but because you are not of the world, but because I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. We don't fit. We don't fit in. I don't know if any of you have ever been made fun of for your faith, been mocked or ridiculed because of your stance, even been persecuted beyond that. But, but I know what that feels like in a certain regard. And I've heard stories of, of other testimonies of what that feels like. To be mocked and ridiculed, to be made fun of. Maybe someone's called you a Bible thumper. Maybe someone's called you a goody two-shoes. Maybe somebody didn't want to be around you because they thought you were too good. Or maybe it was even further. Maybe there was physical, again, persecution. We have to accept as the children of God that we're living as foreigners in this land. If you're a child of God, Philippians chapter 3 tells us in verse 20 that our citizenship is in heaven. And so this is not the place that we are going to be forever. And here's the truth. Perspective is everything when it comes to navigating persecution and affliction. You can either approach this life from a perspective of faith or you can approach it from feelings. You can approach it from emotions. That's why perspective is everything. And I'm going to close this morning by reading something the Apostle Paul wrote. Jesus had the right perspective. He gave us the right example. The Apostle Paul followed in this perfectly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, listen what he says. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Look what he says. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about. In the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Paul goes on to say, you know what? We're okay with this. Because we realize that this body, this earth, is not our home. And the moment that this, this mortality is taken in death, then it's going to be swallowed up with immortality. And we are, we are going to be taken from a place of, of persecution, a place that's not our home, to our eternal home. But I love the perspective that he offers in verse 17. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and ex in an eternal weight of glory. So you know what? We're going to go through things on this earth. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be afflicted. We're going to have sickness. We're going to have trouble. We're, we're, we're not going to fit in. People aren't going to like us. We're going to be different. But that's okay. Because through it all, as we endure, there's rewards and glory awaiting us. And to his son in the ministry, he said this, Timothy, 
Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. And listen to his, as the musicians make their way, listen, listen to what he tells his son in the ministry. He says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All that will live godly shall suffer persecution. I, I want to encourage you this morning. You say, you know what, I, I, I don't, I'm not facing any persecution. I'm not encouraging you to go out and try to find it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to encourage you to say, listen, if, if you're not experiencing persecution, then start riling people up at your work. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I am encouraging and challenging, I believe the Word of God says, is that if we're living our life, if we've confessed Jesus as Lord and we're living as He is our Lord, it's going to come our way. It's going to come our way. It may be at your job. It may be inside your family. But it's going to come your way. And how are you going to handle it? Scriptures tell us that life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while, then it goes away. I want to run and live the very last day of my life, from now until the last day of my life, even if it's today, with no fear, with complete abandon, as Jesus as my Lord, no matter what comes my way. And I pray that's your, your prayer as well. I think we get to that point where we say, no matter what comes my way, I, that's a scary prayer. It, it can be. But the Lord's with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. I want to challenge you this morning. If you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, if you've never put your faith in him, I want to invite you to come down. Somebody can show you out of God's word how to do that. And if you're a Christian, if you've put your faith in him, then I want to encourage you. Let's make sure that that testimony is known. Let's make sure we're living fearless in this world. There's a question. Are you living fearless for the Lord today? Are you living fearless for him? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this uh, opportunity, to, again, to be in your word. And Lord, again, if there's someone here that's never put their faith in you, but realizing that their sin is, has them in bondage and, and shackled, going to take them to an eternity separated from you, a tormenting eternity, Lord. I pray they'd come this morning and they'd get that matter settled and changed. They'd be born again, Lord. We also pray for each of us uh, who have given our life to you. Lord, help us live fearless for you. Lord, if, if persecution comes, if affliction comes, if difficulty comes, I pray that it wouldn't waver, that we wouldn't waver through any of it. But again, Lord, we would be obedient regardless of what comes. Lord, help us this morning to be those people, to be your people. And we ask for all this in Jesus' name.